stick my toes in I'm frozen, I know I'm God's chosen Internal explosion my toes in, I'm frozen, I know I'm God's chosen, internal explosion. Hey, what's up everybody? This is Benny J. And yo, it's your boy, Mr. Young Thelonious in the building. And this is Internal Explosion, the podcast, episode two. Fighter. Put up your dukes. I ain't got no dukes. <laughs> Do I fight? I don't know. So let's get into this quickly. Hard segue? Yes. Very. Difficult subject? Definitely. Yes. This is going to be an interesting time of discussing what it means to fight appropriately. When is it okay to fight? When is it okay to sit back and just let the Lord fight for you? These are difficult questions to answer because most of the time, almost all the time really, we are completely subjected to the reality of every situation we're in. And it's just happening in real time. And none of the things that we've learned in the past are necessarily going to work in an identical way in the moment now. So these are some things to consider. So we go all the way back to Jesus, where he was rebelling against the world's values, the way that the systems of the world worked, as well as the systems of the religious leaders. So Jesus came through and he would fight against the things that were blatantly hypocritical or the things that would separate people further from God. And he wanted to make sure that we understood by his example that there is a time that we have to physically do something. We saw him in the temple. <laughs> he made a cord of strands and he whipped people. Now, I don't know if he actually whipped them on their flesh or not, or if he was just like, down, Bulba. <laughs> But we don't, know. <laughs> we don't know for sure how he did it. But what we know for sure is that he was angry. Mm -hmm. And in his righteous anger, he was justified in his zeal for his father's house. He was protecting the honor, the dignity of that space. So not only did he whip some people, but he was flipping tables. Sounds like a WWE match. A little bit. Yeah, I would have loved it if he just DDT'd somebody through a table. <laughs> Be like, this is in the name of the Lord. Got him. I would have got him. I would have lost it. So there is a time when we need to fight against the things of this world and the poor teachings of religious teachers. So we know in the scripture it talks about bad doctrine. Paul is very clear, as well as... Uh, John on the island of Patmos from Revelation, they both talk about not messing with what is clearly written in these writings. Don't come with your bad doctrine and expect not to get slapped back. Because the, the reality here is we can't allow bad doctrine to come in to our sacred spaces where the truth is the most prevalent and present. Because when we do, we allow these lies, these, these poor ways of thinking, these poor value systems to permeate, to spread like gangrene. So an infectious mm. disease that could ruin the entire body. This is a terrifying idea for those who are united in Christ. We love the truth as followers of Jesus. And Jesus is the truth. God is the truth. So therefore, we follow 
as carefully as possible after what we see and what the scripture teaches us, what the model of Jesus looked like throughout all those times. We don't play around with that. And since we don't play around with that, and I'm saying we like a Frenchman, I'm going to hit my boy Chris up and let him rap to you for a moment. Like literally hit me? Man. It was about to get warm up in the studio, folks. Um, but but yeah, it's it's very interesting. You you talked a little bit about like the the external fighting, and yes, I'm, my my mind is drifting to the the internal fighting mm. because it's 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 one thing to to react to something in a physical way, um, but but internally we're always wrestling against convention. We're wrestling against what we know the truth to be as as believers. And that, that battlefield of the mind is a very, very real thing. And so we, we had talked about, you know, a couple, couple of minutes ago about how do we show love or how do we show our, our genuine character yeah. in the midst of fear or in the midst of something that we have to wrestle with. Mm. Um, and that is tough because in the moment, we don't have time to say situation, pause. Yeah. I need to take some time to read. I need to hit up one of my one of my guys and ask what, what you would do. The yeah. situation is sitting right in front of us and we have a couple of options. And, you know, I'm going to punt it back to you because Please. I know this is your area of specialty. Oh boy. So I'm going I'm to let you dive in on that a little bit. And the weight is ever present. Oh, and yes. I like it. <laughs> so bottom of the ninth. Benjamin Cerniglia coming to the mound. In the closing moments of this game, setting up for the pitch, he throws it. Crack. You hear the crack of the bat. The bat actually cracked. It's just a line drive down the third base line, a little dribbler. Wait, line drive dribbler, they don't work. They do not work together. <laughs> this just became incredibly confusing. Bottom line is the out was made at first base while there were two outs and the game is over. So Benjamin Cerniglia did not get the save. What is he talking about? Who cares? So let's get right into fight, flight, or We're freeze. Back. <laughs> we are back. Fight, flight, or freeze. And there is a fourth one that is debated amongst certain people. Fawn. So, in a moment where we have anxiety, where it's sparked because of a thought we had, an anticipation we're having, or even a genuine fear in the moment, we may have a reaction based out of the autonomic nervous system, where we automatically go into fight, where we literally are ready to stand our ground and physically do something about it, or have a verbal altercation, you name it. It could be any of these things. We might want to run away, which is flight. We might be afraid, so we're like, all right, I'm booking it. I'm out of here. There's no way I'm sticking around to see what happens next. Or you may actually freeze. And if you freeze, you're more like me. In the moment of the tough situation, you might just feel like, oh, you might like ugh, you tighten up and you almost feel like you can't speak. You lose your ability to willfully do something. It's a terrifying moment because you're like, what do I do? I, I, feel, I feel like I am completely victimized by my own body. My body is just saying, don't do anything. You're doing the old possum. But the problem with the possum is now you're, you're, you're being like that and you're playing dead. And if you're playing dead, how are you going to be effective in the situation? Don't get me wrong. 
these autonomic functions, the reason that they're so great is they could actually save us in a bad situation against something that could be life-threatening. Problem is we are so far removed from that natural selection type of lifestyle where we're not out in the wilderness in the same way as our ancestors would have been. So their legitimate reactions like these were justifiable, much more than a lot of times they are today. But because some of these primitive interactions with our environment still remain, we don't always know how to stand up again and say, all right, deep breath. All right, focus, get ready for the battle, whatever that means. Doesn't mean I have to throw a punch. Doesn't mean I have to raise my voice or yell, scream, whatever it is. Doesn't mean that I have to run right away, but I have to take inventory of what's happening. But how can you take inventory if you haven't yet figured out who you are in these situations and what your, what's your tendency is for reactivity? And then also figure out what strategies work for you in these moments to help you gather and to help you be reasonable and rational in the situation. Because as long as your body is doing these things and you have no weapon to kind of fight back against it and get, in, get it in order, you end up feeling defenseless. That's where a lot of traumatic issues come out. So I got a quick story to tell you because I don't want to mm -hmm. monopolize the time creating a traumatic situation for my brethren. No, I don't <laughs> care. He don't care. He's chilling. Chilling. Better be. Like, <laughs> chicken wing. Get busy, man. Yeah, you know. So one time... This was only like a month, yeah, six weeks at the most. Mm -hmm. I, a month ago, I was over at Costco near me, and I was getting ready to go into the checkout line, and I'm standing there, and ahead of me, I see an empty cart. Not an empty. I'm sorry, I don't want to. No, that's not. There was a cart with stuff in it, but there was nobody attending mm -hmm. the cart. That's that's accurate. And I looked around. I'm like, yo, where's this person? I saw nobody. Nobody was to be found. So what I did was. I went ahead and then literally hear the voice of God within my being say, watch out. Somebody's going to look at you. Somebody's going to come up behind you and say to you, why did you cut in front of me? Now, some of you might say that was just your conscience speaking to you because you think you did something wrong. This was not the case in this, in this moment. I could physically feel the words, which is typical when God speaks to me. And Lo and behold, moments later, this lady says, excuse me, did you just cut in front of me? And I look back and I said, I did go in front of you because I didn't see anybody around your cart and there was nobody around for over a minute and a half. So I thought, well, I'm not going to get stuck back here. It doesn't make any sense. So I made a reasonable decision and I went ahead. But... As she confronted me, I said, you're welcome to come back up front here. You can, you can go back ahead. I'm not, I'm not going to fight you over this. I was just doing what seemed reasonable in the moment. And then she started saying all these things very loudly to all the surrounding people in the store about uh, how low character I was and that you better watch out. This guy, if you leave your car for three seconds, he's going to steal your spot. And I thought to myself, wow, this lady's really looking for drama. And I thought to myself, I don't want to do all this. I started because I had that moment where God spoke to my being. I wasn't as heightened emotionally and reactively as I would have been had I not heard that voice. So I was really able to keep my composure 
and speak to her like this. I had a very calm tone and my volume was very, it was much lower than normal. And I was maintaining self-control in that hard situation. The beautiful thing was God justified me or vindicated me after the fact this man behind me comes up and he starts talking with me and he says, man, he starts talking directly about the lady and she's right there. And I'm thinking to myself, man, this couldn't be better. And he's making fun of the fact that she just behaved this way. And we're just kicking it back and forth, having a nice time. He was a genuine, kind man. And he says to me, and this helped a lot. He says, he goes, young man, you didn't do anything wrong. I thought about what might happen if I left my cart for a moment and I realized oh, I better not leave it because someone might take the spot. I don't want to give up. And I thought, wow, thank God I'm not the only person with some kind of rational thought here. Ha! Huh. So this was really beautiful in how God orchestrated a moment where he showed me that I could be okay in a hard situation. He could still get me out of the reactive fight or flight freeze kind of reactivity and while I was dealing with it, I was actually clear enough of my mind to start praying in the midst of that struggle. And God saw every single thing and gave me a way out of it. And I didn't really have a lot of deep pain from that because a lot of times I'd walk away feeling a serious sense of injustice. I'd be super offended in the past. None of that happened this time. I actually was able to love that lady despite the Costco lady, despite the fact that I felt like, wow, this shouldn't have happened. I didn't internalize it. God shielded me from that and blessed me. And I was able to be obedient in the moment and use the wisdom he's given me over the years on how to handle these situations and have self-control and not let someone else be the dictator of how I interact. It was, it was a wonderful situation. And I know not all situations go this nicely, but I just want you to know, in the midst of something very difficult, God can show up in a very unannounced and odd way and give you the peace you need to stand up over top of someone who is really trying to cause you harm in a selfish way. So to bring, bring this, this flight in for a nice smooth landing, hopefully, <laughs> I, I, think, I think one of the, the biggest things to do, it's, it's a hard thing, but one of our recommendations is you never know when you're going to be thrust into a situation where you have to react, whether that be fight, flight, or freeze. Um, each, each of those options does have a consequence to them. Yeah. Um, each of them are viable options. So how do you discern this when there is an immediate threat or an immediate thing that requires action? As hard as it may be at first, praying in the moment is amazing. Yes. It is an amazing thing. Because it also shows that you have mastered the situation. Because yeah. if you can consciously say, you know what, I'm going to pray real quick internally and have that dialogue, even as the rest of the world is moving around you, you are wrapping your mind and your senses around that situation. And in some cases, that brings you a sense of calm. And then you are, you are calling on God for help. The one that is above every situation, yeah. calling for help. And the, the response may be different. And it's very individual, individual to the person, individual to the situation. And so if you find yourself in one of those moments, to the best of your ability, just pray. It doesn't have to be eloquent. 
It no. can just be the help prayer, like, God, help, God, me. help me. <laughs> Please help. <laughs> God, help me. Um, and you know what? The beautiful thing about the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit can interpret your groans. So you know what? A yes. viable prayer is, that is, that is a prayer. And so to the best of your ability, you know, try God. Like my brother says all the time, you know, try God. We, we try everything else. Yeah. And in most cases, it may work for a little bit, but it doesn't work forever. No. Why not try God? If you can muster up a strength to try anything else, you mm -hmm. can muster up enough strength to, to pray, to groan, to ask for help, and let God chart out the next, the next steps for you. Amen to that, man. That's the truth. And, and to bring this all together, this is something I think we struggle with as humans uh, in a very fallen world. We're quite broken and scrambling to figure out what is right to do so we have a clear conscience. One of the hardest things to do in the midst of a situation is to be loving mm -hmm. despite the sense of fear you may have momentarily. When you feel fear, it's important to submit that feeling of fear to God immediately and ask him to give you the strength to rise up against it so that you can have that ultimate trust in God where he's going to shield you. He's prepping you for these typically fearful moments to be able to stand firm against the thing that might actually cause you to crumble. He doesn't want you to crumble because guess what? Perfect love casts out all fear. So if you can love people in the dark situations, if you can be that beacon of light, that hope, uh, the one that permeates the darkness with warmth and, and, and that bright light, the, the effervescence that would show Jesus in every situation possible, you're going to give people hope. And you may, actually, you may actually spark a curiosity in them that makes them want to seek out God even more. And guess what? It's God's kindness mm -hmm. that leads people to repentance to turn away from their wickedness and to make right the things that they've done wrong throughout their life. Boy, there is no greater hope we have than in Jesus. And Jesus is literally, he is the, he is the central version. He is the epitome of what love is. So think about that. Consider putting Jesus at the forefront of your life and watch as he fills you with light and he shows you how to shake off the darkness, how to defend yourself against the constant attacks of the enemy and the constant allure of this world. I have nothing to say to that, man. You, you, you dropped the mic on that one. I didn't. This is expensive. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I, I guess there's, there's only one last thing to do right now, man. Okay. Yo, yo, this is Benny J. And yo, it's your boy, Mr. Young Thelonious in the building. And this was Internal Explosion, the podcast, episode two, Fighter. So y'all betas, <laughs> Japanese fighting fish, ah, I didn't mean to call you betas. I know y'all are alphas, right? That's what you want to hear. Let me tell you something. You know how normally I chin the mic? That's actually what betas will do. If you put two male betas together, guess what happens? One of them will end up killing the other by chinning it to death. What a brutal way to die. Have you ever imagined dying at the chin of somebody? Not the hand of them, but the chin. I'll tell you right now, that, that makes me, that gives me a chinchilla.
<laughs> so on that note, peace and chicken grease. We love y'all. And we're just thankful that you come and be a, come to be a part of this, this podcast with us. We hope you'll come back for episode three next week. Peace out. Peace, folks. I was about to say go Eagles. It matters. Yo, you're gonna we're gonna lose we're gonna lose viewership if we say go Eagles too too many people. I know, but we'll get the righteous ones. <laughs> we're gonna skim the fat on this one. <laughs> I mean, hey, if anybody doesn't like us based on our preferences for sports teams, I don't know what to say. Nah, man. That go, that's deep for some people. That's like, dare I say it? Idol worship? Oh, good. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. I know y'all build shrines and altars, you know, where the chicken is slaughtered for the wings and the sweet aroma <sighs> reaches the football gods. Man. Ah, God's so like, yo, fake God is like, yo. <laughs> <laughs> Can I get some blue cheese and celery with that? <laughs> oh, man. Smoked wings. And then you realize the fake God is just your brother-in-law upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> He's hungry for wings, too. I'll tell you what, man. You know, it's like, it's like my boy Chris Farley said. Tommy like wingy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. For real this time. Bye. Peace, folks.